0: You no, know, that's that's true love because she's constipated. Wait a that's, second, that's, that's true oh, love. It's but so like, different. It's, it's so, the it's just an opposite end of the body. It's so shit is so different a than boogers.
1: I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <phone rings> nine cents y'all <laughs> oh nine cents cents—a think perspective of our modern world and i'm your host adam campbell being joined by the one and only erin from down at the crossroads how are you my dear
0: i'm doing great how about you
1: <laughs> i'm doing really good now i had no idea we would have such a discussion
0: <clears throat> oh well Pretty i stuff. always expect the worst when I come.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, audience, it is great for you to join us as well. It is April thirteenth, and we do have a fantastic show for you this week. Um, first and foremost, let me just say uh, I'm really, really excited to be talking to you, Erin.
0: Me? Why? Yeah,
1: I don't know. It's just it, it feels like it's <laughs> been a really long time, and I don't know. I don't I don't get to connect with you as much as I like to, and so I, you know, I get really excited sometimes. And today is one of those times.
0: Oh, well, isn't that nice
1: of you to say. I'm pretty stoked. And we actually are going to be, obviously, because you are here, doing a little down at the crossroads at the tail end of this show. Do you want to give us a little uh, heads up what this is about? It's called Time of Rag. Wait, that, is that like a the female monthly thing?
0: Well, it's kind of coincidence, but that's not what it's about. It's not not this time.
1: <laughs> coincidence, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like I predicted this horrible nightmare that is my period today. <laughs>
1: All right. No, wow. actually
0: it was a listener submission um suggestion. Talk about oh. the uh you know the influence that blues and ragtime had on jazz. So I went ahead and found some ragtime songs that fall within the blues category as well. So it's pretty cool. That, I'm excited.
1: That is amazing. I'm super yeah. excited that this is inspired by a submission.
0: Yes, and I'm Quickly gonna go uh find out the guy's name so I can thank him. Because I forgot <laughs> in all my note-taking. <laughs> I forgot to f- thank that young man. So
1: thank you, young man. Thank you, good sir. You are a strapping young boy.
0: Okay, right. I don't know how this turned into strapping young boy from
1: thoughtful man, but good. Okay. Well, Your show, th- show thoughtful man. Good stuff. My show, mm-hmm. I say young boy. He's strapping!
0: Okay, Doki. And he's uh, young
1: st- too. Strap that don't young boy. That. <laughs> strap them on all right let's talk about uh let's talk about feedback for a second because i i think that's really really excited uh i every once in a while i get some feedback about the show and i absolutely appreciate it and i pass it on to everyone that's mentioned in it so when you say aaron did an amazing job with down at the crossroads i pass it on let's uh let's take that to the next level let's talk about reviews and testimonials so you can actually leave reviews in a number of places for nine cents and the benefit of this is that it convinces other saps i mean um you know
0: suckers marks
1: wonderful individuals uh, to listen to this show (laughs) and you know learn a little bit about goofiness and a little bit about satanism along the way so, you can go to 9centspodcast.com and there's a little submission button there for submitting your own testimonial. And you can check out what other people have said about it. And I've gotten a ton so far. I'd just like to thank everyone for doing that. But also on excuse me, iTunes, if you access this, you know, subscribe through iTunes, you can actually leave a rating and a comment there. And it is incredibly important because there's a lot of really, really shitty satanic air quotes, satanic podcasts out there on iTunes that spread misinformation, are produced really bad, which I really kind of just mean a little bit worse than mine, and I think should be, you know, sort of shunned. And the only way you can do that is through feedback. So you guys give me all the praise that I know I want. I mean, that you want to give me. And uh, good and bad. I like hearing the bad. Not as much as the good, to be honest. I mean, if we're going to... I mean, I'm don't put, don't put the bad
0: stuff on iTunes. That's counterproductive. That doesn't help anybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you send me comments. the bad stuff so yep. I can block your ass and then send all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually, as those longtime listeners know, I take your feedback uh personally and i try to adjust the show for it so you can look at our current iteration of nine cents the the product you're listening to as a result of everyone um you know communicating with me throughout the years and i i think
0: it's better yeah, so blame them if you hate the show.
1: <laughs> so it's your fault! <laughs> I'm talking you guys out of this. This is not what I mean. <laughs> um, but also, I guess there's like a Facebook rating thing too. I don't really care oh. about that. I'd much prefer you guys do it on... What's up. Oh,
0: I'm just mad at Facebook. <laughs> no,
1: no big deal. Oh, yeah. Fuck Facebook. I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I really don't like it. But uh, I I much prefer you guys doing either a direct submission through the website or through iTunes where it's actually going to benefit us and Satanism as a whole so we can drown out those other really poorly produced and, and lies of messaging podcasts. Um, and I would like to say happy birthday to my wife. Happy birthday, Shada! Yay. My wife's birthday. She's now 87. I like them old gross it's gonna be <laughs> no she's younger than me so she's younger than 87 but uh <laughs> happy barely. birthday baby i love you very much we had this really wonderful moment of me sitting down with the kids and going hey what do you guys want to get your mommy for her birthday and my son's like um let's get her a wolf shirt and i said hell no that <laughs> never <laughs> happened you cannot get your mom a wolf shirt Like, there's too many really bad wolf shirts, then my wife will not wear one.
0: Your son has a very nuanced sense of irony.
1: I like that. (laughs) (laughs) He's so young. (laughs) He was like, what's mom's favorite animal? I said, oh, it's a wolf. Let's get her a wolf shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if there's much thought put into it. I think he was being ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good stuff, though. Whatever. You know, it was funny. Um, My daughter immediately, let's get her some dresses. So I was like, okay. Okay, so here's here's the thing with dresses. I love them. I love women wearing them. My wife hates them. My wife. So when I can get her in a dress, it is a process. So like, <laughs> I have to convince her that even though she really does look beautiful in them, that she looks amazing because she just does not feel. She, she's just not the type of woman she is. She wasn't raised wearing dresses, and so it's just not really her cup of tea. Um, a little bit more of a tomboy growing up. So... I was like, all right, babe, well, let's, let's go and let's go pick out some dresses. And so we went shopping and uh, my boy got, you know, a, a belt to go with the dresses and some earrings and my daughter got um, some dresses, a couple of them, and we brought them back and we were, uh, when it came time to like, you know, blow out candles and, and open presents and my wife opened them and she just sort of looked at them <laughs> <laughs> and I know that look very well. I see it uh, every. Every holiday where we celebrate, uh, you know, Christmas and stuff in her opening presents.
0: <laughs> Can I guess and what that look what that look is? Yeah. It's profound yeah.
1: disappointment.
0: <laughs> it is a deep seated shame and resentment for her family with, for with not understanding her. With a slight amount her. of
1: confusion. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> like, mm. what the fuck? Do they not know me at right. all? Who do these people so, think I am? <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Or who are they trying to make me? Right. Uh, Really, really funny. And so I shame her into wearing them and at least doing a little fashion show for, uh, you know, my daughter who picked it out. And I, you know, she looked good in them. I mean, I didn't see what the problem was, but she hated them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was horrible. So, you know what? No matter what. You try to do someone a solid, and they just do not appreciate it.
0: Damned if you do, damned all. if you don't. Am yeah, I right?
1: Seriously, I should have gotten the fucking wolf T-shirt. I bet that would have gone over a lot. She better.
0: probably would have laughed harder at the wolf shirt. <laughs> That's something. Seriously. Look, I've seen Shauna in a dress, and she's super hot. So I know. Time, I
1: think so. Yeah, man. I just um, get it.
0: But I understand. I also understand that feeling of like you. Picking out clothes is should never be um delegated to other people because they're always gonna fuck it up. You know how you how you look you know what you look good in and if you know, if Josh came home with like a sleeveless sort of um A-line dress and was like, I got you this, I would literally set it on fire and throw it at him. <laughs> Jeez. Literally. Cause he knows I don't do either one of those things. Yeah. Wow.
1: So I hope
0: um I hope your wife set all her gifts on fire and really taught you guys a lesson.
1: <laughs> She's a little more subtle than that. Uh, I saved a gift receipt, so.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's smart of you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then I, I got her a day at the spa. So like a little gift card, because she always loves that. So I knew I couldn't fail there. But I had this weird experience going in there, and this has never happened before. So I went directly after work. Um, <laughs> I walked into this spa, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a pretty nice spa there. And they had, like, this waterfall, like, you know, like, the water that just runs against the wall. I don't know, like, water curtain or whatever. But it was just going, and so immediately I had to pee, be just listening to it trickle. So I made a comment about it, and the lady looks at me, kind of, like, squints her eye and tilts her head a little bit. She's like, funny you mentioned that. And follows it up with nothing. Like, that's all she said. Oh, my God, that's so
0: obnoxious.
1: Like, what? What okay, well, what's funny about it? What Fill me into the humor that you're finding because I thought it was, you know, I was just making like an observational comment. It might be seen as slightly humorous by a certain person, but it wasn't funny. And then for you to say that like so so de facto, I mean, she basically just smacked me for saying that. Like, said, I don't hear that
0: all day. She basically gave you what we in the business call idiomatic blue balls. Where she, <laughs> <laughs> she starts this like, tried and true idiom like funny. Well, you should mention that and then therefore a story you know yeah uh but yeah. instead she just sort of like worked you up a little bit and then was like all right <laughs> night but
1: th- dude this this girl just kept going that was not it okay so oh, i'm more i'm asking about different prices for facials and stuff like that <laughs> um massages <laughs> and stuff and you know, I'm like, but I, I started it all with I need to get a gift card, and then I started asking questions. And so she knows that I'm getting it for someone else, and so she says, um, "Well, has you, you know? So when we decide on what we're going to be getting and how much I'm going to be putting on this gift card, she's all, so how much is your wife?' And she looks at me, or your husband, like, Uh-oh. or your husband, you know. she says. How is your wife? And then looks at me and then pauses and then thinks, maybe I should throw in, even though it's not legal here anymore in Utah, maybe I should throw in husband because he might be gay married. I don't, and here's the thing. I don't take offense because she thought I was gay. I take offense because she started with one assumption and then she just 90 degreeed it to the other assumption. Like just pick one and run with it. I don't, if I was gay and she said, how about how, you know, is this for your wife? I wouldn't have fucking cared. You don't was, know that. You gotta second guess yourself. That just makes me second guess myself. So now I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, how gay do I look? Like <laughs> on like a scale from from one to on fire. Uh, Richard fucking I don't know. I was gonna say the Sam? fucking do this as I'm a pony, but I lost his fucking name. I don't ah! know. Um. Anyway. How the fuck gay? Like, I, I just didn't get it. it. And that was the other thing. that just totally threw me off with this fucking crazy woman.
0: Okay, first of all, well, take a look around at where you're at. You're in a day spa. Okay, right. the, the chances of anyone going into a day spa being a homosexual are pretty good. So maybe she just kind of like wants to, she just wanted yeah. to be all inclusive. It has nothing to do with bets. you.
1: I, okay, you know what? That actually makes a little bit more sense. Sure. I, I dig that. I dig that. There was one last little, like, minor offense that she committed toward my person, which I found very strange. So, she's wrapping up the gift card. and She's like, well, you know, there's a card here. Would you like to write something on the card? It's like, well, there, yeah, I would love to. And so, I write a little thing, a little, you know, little message. And I hand it back over and she opens it and reads it in front of me. No. She fucking read the message in front of me and then folded it up and then put it away. So, like, what the fuck is wrong with this bitch? Like, who does this? She is just from get-go. She's try- doing everything she can to get me to punch her in the face. I don't normally punch people. I don't normally punch women. But fuck if I didn't want to at this point.
0: Yeah. No, ah! She definitely deserved a good punch in the face.
1: I mean, at least... At least a 1940s backhand for being hysterical. Yeah, I
0: agree. Like,
1: that's just how you treated women back then. So you, calm down, smack! Yeah. She deserved that, at least. Just like, what the fuck, man? You don't read fucking people's notes. And if you're gonna read them, wait for me to turn. Don't just do it right in front of me. Mm -hmm. God damn it. I just wanted to fucking punch her so bad. Everything together. Everything. Oh, interesting you say that. Or your husband. (laughs) And then reads my shit. Wow. Fuck you, bitch. All right. So that was, that was my week. Very, very wonderful.
0: Sounds lovely. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, let's talk about the show here, and which we're just going to dive right into after this. Nine Cents Letters, uh, another one from 18th Key. And I told you I have a backlog of stuff. It's mainly from this dude. Wow. <laughs> This guy just, he sent me a ton of topics. I mean, that's good stuff. And hey. I, it, you know, stuff, some of it's really, you know, interesting to talk to, especially, you know, with people like you and me, where we can just sort of play off of it and make it fun. But, um, I mean, dude, you just you fucking landed, just dumped a whole bunch of shit on, on my doorstep there. Uh, thanks for not lighting it on fire. <laughs> so this one is going to be Satanism and welfare. And then, we had, uh, or uh, Jesse and I had a really good time last week talking about a film. So, you know, I thought, why not do it today, too? Because, ugh, why not? I've been doing inter- or, uh, news articles for years. Might as well break it for a little bit. And so, Aaron and I are going to talk about the abominable Dr. Five. <laughs> All right. And, I, you know, I got to tell you, I haven't seen this show until this weekend.
0: I also need to address the fact that you call movies shows. So we'll talk yep. about all this later. You don't, you don't like that? I think it's fucking weird. And no, I don't like
1: it. <laughs> really? It's weird? All right. We're going to talk it's about that. It's wicked
0: weird. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> First order biz. Weird.
1: In the uh, down the crossroads we already mentioned, time of rag. And then at the very end, I'm going to, th- I've i been getting a couple people asking me about this and I don't know why, but uh, they wanted to hear another Adam's Road rage. So you know what? You asked for it. You're going to get it. This is, I'm not really going to talk about it now. I I lose my shit during it, so I hope you can hang. And if you can't, it's at the end, so just don't listen to the show after Down to the Crossroads segment. All right, that's going to do it, so let's go ahead and dive into Nine Cents Letters. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Saints.
0: I remember hearing Magus Gilmore say he has no problem with temporary help for those down on their luck or in between jobs who need food stamps or whatnot. I was surprised to hear him say that. That was in a Josh P. Warren Church of Satan documentary. Also, I know Satanism advocates stratification and segregation of those who are working against the society, as you say in one episode. However, what should be done with those who contribute nothing, criminals, those with disabilities, etc.? In my opinion, I don't want them or care and let the white lighters clean up the mess. Yet I do feel that social services and homeless shelters do keep the streets clean, so to speak, and serve a purpose for society. So may not be all that bad. If there was zero social services or homeless shelters then crime would be a big as be a big issue. And the homeless would be sleeping in your front yard because they would have nowhere to go. Maybe the third side would be to get them to into programs that can get them to contribute to society rather than expecting to get something with nothing in return But the whole donation deal. Uh, If you want a free meal, then take out the trash at the homeless shelter or clean graffiti off of park benches, etc.
1: So so he mm -hmm. goes on to talk a little bit about um, and, you know, providing a link about, you know, why people are homeless and it's not just because they're lazy and stuff like that. Um, All right. So uh, it's not real. This this sounds more like homeless than welfare uh, to me, but... What do you think we will we'll wrap it in the, the bow of social services? Um, what do you think about that?
0: Oh, I think they, um, well, they could probably use some overall. And these are going to, this is just like the most blanket statement I could say. But I think we do need them. I just don't know if they're, you know, they're all different programs that probably don't work perfectly. But I do think that, that this sort of security safety net needs to be there to some
1: degree. I agree. I don't. I, don't, I really don't see a problem with people. And I think the majority of people who are against programs like, like um, uh, welfare uh, or homeless programs in a city, I think the biggest reason is that they think that people want to abuse them. And, of mm-hmm. course, there is a percentage of people who abuse them. Um, but I would say the majority of people need them not that they want them um but even if it's not the majority i know that you know it it, like you mentioned safety net it's a huge help to people who have to go through a transitionary period Mm -hmm. um so for an example myself when i got out of the military and i was in college um and my wife was pregnant with my first child we had programs like WIC and um Uh, some food stamps that we had to go on because I could not afford to feed my family. And so I knew that once I was through college, it wouldn't be an issue. And as soon as, because I moved from Germany to Arizona, it Mm. was hard to arrange a job in that interim where you're still trying to process out of the United States army. Mm. And so it's not like I could have set up immediately a job for me to just walk right into day one. Um, It, if it wasn't for Arizona picking up that slack, I would have been really screwed and I've never been someone that was able to rely on family or that wanted to rely on family in that aspect. And because I'm not from Arizona, I had no support. So if it wasn't for those social organizations being there and helping us, we would have been fucked. And I'm very, very thankful that they were. Uh, That being said, as soon as I got a damn job, we got off of everything Mm -hmm. and we were able to take control of our own lives.
0: Yeah, when I was uh, right around 25, I guess, I was um, let go from my job. I was working at a youth bookstore and it was just, I was the only employee. I was managing the place and then there was the owner and he at one point decided that he couldn't afford to keep me uh, and he was just going to run the place by himself. So he let me go and it, so I went on unemployment and it worked out really well because then I used that money that I was getting from unemployment uh, to move to Baltimore and start my life again. So I, you know, I was essentially laid off and went on unemployment and moved to Baltimore kind of with that sort of leeway, that money, I had free time and I had money still coming in. And then I found, you know, got a job when I got to Baltimore and that I couldn't have, I don't think I could have done it without that. You know, I don't think I could have lived, never mind moved to a totally different state and city without being on welfare. I'm not welfare, sorry, unemployment at the time. And I felt okay, pretty okay with the unemployment because that's something that I pay for. You know, I pay every month into unemployment for that very reason. And I was definitely not, um, you know, fired or let go for any reason, you know, any fault of my own. So I felt totally okay with that and getting, you know, and then picking up the unemployment when I moved to Baltimore until I found a job that I could live <laughs> by working.
1: Uh, th- this is kind of weird because there's always like this. Well, okay. Before I say that, it seems to me from the outside or from uh, those first discovering Satanism, that there's this idea that a Satanist, can do everything and handle everything and they never, ever have to rely on anyone. And, and, you know, they they just never factor in life. Mm -hmm. And sure, everyone has goals and everyone wants to be successful in their own definition of that. And we all do everything we can to be a more productive member of the society that we live in and, and certainly represent ourselves to the best of our ability and continue to grow. But sometimes you land on your ass. And sometimes you can't pick yourself back up and you need a hand. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and to to self-destruct because you refuse to reach your hand out and, and have someone help you up is not practical and it's downright stupid. Yeah. It's allowing pride to hinder your improvement as a human being or your growth. And that is not satanic at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying just be a freeloader, but if... If you need a program that exists strictly for that need, take advantage of it and then move on. The bottom line is, is if you're paying taxes, then you are contributing to these social programs. Right. Therefore, if you are in need, they are there to help you. That is what it means to be a part of a society. It doesn't mean that you're freeloading from the government. It doesn't mean that you're less of a Satanist because you have to rely on it from time to time or once in your freaking life. What... (laughs) That, that bar that I think is that if you are on welfare and you are not looking for a job, if you are taking unemployment and you are not actively looking for a job, you're just like, well, I can suck on this tit for a good three months. I'll do that. And then I'll look for a job. If if you just give up on life while you're getting free something, well, then yes, you're a piece of shit and you do not deserve those programs. You are You are a leech on society. But... I don't know anyone who does that. That's not to say that there aren't anyone. I, I'm sure there's tons of them. Yeah. Um. But from the position of a Satanist, if you are a Satanist, then by nature you wouldn't want to rely on the state to take care of you, so you wouldn't abuse them. Uh. It. it I mean, that's really how I see it, and that's why you have people like uh, Megas Gilmore. I said it differently. <laughs> 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 who, who says temporary help? Air quotes. Uh. It doesn't even matter because it's temporary. That's what those programs are there for. That's what our society has said. This is worth putting money into. Let's all collectively do it just in case you land on your ass once. We'll pick you back up and then you become the better version of you. You know, take take the ball and run with it. Very weird football reference just thrown in there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't – I really don't see any problem with that. And I don't think that you can equate – all homelessness to people who are just down on their luck because I know I've met I I used to like in in high school I I used to ditch school and just go hang out downtown with a bunch of the bums they would buy me alcohol if I gave them money so (laughs) I just like to hang out with bums and I know a lot of them that was that was actually a life choice of theirs they they didn't want a job or a life they didn't want to be on the grid they actually didn't mind the shitty lifestyle that I saw that they had I mean Of course, they would try to get money from people and they, Mm -hmm. you know, have their little God blesses on their Mm -hmm. cardboard cutouts. But that was to scam the Mormons in order to give them money. And I mean, I personally don't care as long as my money is not being dumped into their welfare for something that they're choosing not to be a part of by and large, it, it probably still is, but I don't really care what they do. You know, as long as I'm not giving them money and I, I see them do nothing with it, I, I don't give a damn. Um, but I don't, see, I don't see homeless shelters being a, a, big, a big targeted um, institution as much as, as welfare. So I'm, I don't really know why that was brought into this discussion at all. I don't know. Maybe there is tons of money being dumped into them that I don't know about. And then obviously if there's people willing to throw their money at um you know, Christian organizations, I I'd give a damn, man. Let them waste their money. I don't care. Yeah. And if it creates more of a problem, I, I I don't see how it creates more of a problem, but I don't I again I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It has nothing to do with my life or anything, so fuck it. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on this? I, it's, it's weird because I'm not sure where to go with this conversation other than just to say, you know, that temporary help yeah. is a good thing, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Jesse said something last week. I think it was last week that, um, you know, I'll paraphrase, of course, but it's something like we're not always the best Satanists we can be. <laughs> it's just, you know, we're always trying to sort of be good being a Satanist. So you may sometimes try something and, you, and which is a basic tenet of Satanism and maybe you fail at it every once at all, but that doesn't mean you're not a good Satanist or you're not a Satanist. You just do the best you can. And sometimes, and I, you know, I don't think that taking help, this sort of help is antithetical to Satanism at all.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's close down that conversation. Shut it down. I mean, obviously. Okay, I guess. I guess maybe I'll wrap it up like this. Of course, if you're a Satanist, you want to be self-reliant. Of course, uh, th- I mean it goes without saying. And I think a lot of people, when they first step into Satanism, they be, you know, in addition to that, I want to share this with everyone I know because this mm-hmm. is amazing. You know that I am identifying with this. They also think that well, because everyone else isn't doing what I'm doing, or I don't see everyone else as being as self-reliant or responsible as I am, that somehow they're worse than you. And I think there's nothing worse than having an uh, overinflated ego. Uh, It's counterproductive. It does not help you. And it's basically you just lying to yourself. And I think that's where where this discussion stems from. When people say, we need to get rid of these programs because I don't need them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, look hat, you're not the only person in the society by definition of society there's more than one of us so that means that it may not ever be used by you and that's fine but that doesn't mean that other people don't need it from time to time and to think that you will never fall on your ass is completely unrealistic and again not satanic you plan and, and manage your own life however you see fit but i think it's a pretty good thing to plan on the off chance that you're gonna fall on your ass because it does happen. You can't avoid it sometimes. So I don't know. I I think this comes from a position of ignorance, uh, and ego. And we need to step out of ourselves for a minute and say, okay, well, because it it doesn't relate to me, maybe, and maybe we should carry this onto the tea party for a bit. But if, if it doesn't relate to me, then maybe it should still exist because other people might need it from time to time. <laughs> like just, <laughs> just step out of your, I know we're supposed to be crazy um, self-centered and we're supposed to be um, selfish. And, and yes, in process of running our lives, we do trip over those tags uh, probably more than most people, those, those titles, um, those character traits, but to champion and solely live by them I think is is way too short-sighted if you're in a society. If you're on your own, off the grid, hey, by all means. but <laughs> if you have a family, if you have people you care about, you're going to have to step outside of yourself from time to time, and that's just being a human being. so I don't think it's less satanic i don't I don't think it's counter. To Satanism, I think it's just being a responsible human being. And I'm not saying take care of other people, but if your daughter, if your wife, if your brother was in trouble and you loved them, you'd probably help them. So, you know, having these programs, is, is, it's not a bad thing inherently. All right. Uh, is there anything else? We're good? We are good. All right. We've beaten it to fucking death. Let's do Creature Feature. Woo! <laughs> I'd not do fahfibs. Okay, let me start by asking. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me do this really quick. Um, this is a 1971 horror film by director Robert Fuest. Foost. Fuest. 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 I'll say Fuest. I think it's Fuest. Foost? Foost. Well, okay.
0: But you say whatever you want.
1: Robert Foost. Um, you know, a screenplay written by two people who had nothing to do with making the movie, though I think they were credited still in the end. Um, and again, it's a 1971, and it's a cult favorite because there's a cult of people who liked it. <sighs> Meaning there's just, you know, it, it's sort of an, uh, a VHS success, not necessarily a a Box big screen success. Uh, yes. Alright, so what do you think about this abominable Dr. Fives? I think Do you it's... want to give a, a quick rundown oh. real quick?
0: Oh, okay, quick rundown. Let's see. Alright, so so Dr. Anton Fives, he's an inventor. Um, he's dead. <laughs> he has no face. <laughs> he has no face, he has no voice box because he lost them in a car accident. Um, he's his he, so ask me where he got what he he's a doctor of.
1: What's he a doctor of?
0: Music. He's got his PhD in music which is okay by me completely um
1: i'm really a doctor
0: he's got a phd so he gets to be called doctor (laughs) so all right so you know okay so he um he's mad and he starts killing people and um he killed why is he mad He's mad because his wife died on the operating table and there was a team of doctors. There were nine doctors that were trying to save her life and they failed because she died. Why didn't
1: he heal her with music?
0: I wish he had thought of that at the time. But unfortunately, (laughs) as he was rushing to be by her side, he drove his car off a cliff and burned alive. So they think. Um, But it turns out that he (laughs) never did. He never died. He he's still alive oh, and he's living darn. in this beautiful Art Deco ballroom with like an orange Lucite Wurlitzer that he plays while his um Orchestra of robots plays jazz music. And so he and his um his assistant Volnavia yeah. <laughs> can
1: dance with <laughs> them. Best name ever.
0: Yeah, I mean it might as well be Vulva. Get it?
1: Vulva navel.
0: Right, yeah. So, uh, I guess that's about it, right? Does that cover the gist? So, he starts killing people. He starts killing these doctors who he holds, you know, he blames for the death of his beautiful wife. Um,
1: That's a large team of doctors to fail at surgery.
0: Well, it was in 1925, so... There had to be a lot of doctors there. <laughs> so there's like eight physicians, right? And then there's one psychiatrist. So they're not all MDs. One of them is, yeah. a, is a head shrinker. <laughs> Get it? Uh. Um, so he starts killing them and he starts killing them by um, sort of enacting this 10 plagues of the pharaohs
1: which we gotta say it like this 10 plagues of the pharaoh
0: (sighs) yes (laughs) thank you for doing that for me so he starts killing them and and in these really fucking cool ways really bizarre ways like one guy is um stung to death by bees and then one of them is frozen to death in his car and then um one's head is crushed one's eaten by locusts one's eaten by bats one of them has their blood completely drained from their body. So these That are, one was cool. That was cool. And that's the like first movie. the dude was alive
1: played. when he was doing
0: it. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. It's gnarly. So I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time.
1: Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What? What? You, oh my God. Are
0: you going to start with this? This is
1: one of your favorite movies of all times?
0: Uh, yeah. Why when the... did you
1: first see this movie?
0: Um, uh, 10 years ago, maybe?
1: So you were... An adult? What the?
0: <laughs> yeah? Is that what you're... Wait. So do you like
1: it because it brings back a memory of a time for no. you? Or do you like it because you think the movie's good?
0: The movie is fucking awesome. What is wrong with you? Why would you even ask me that question? Of course I... The movie is fantastic. Listen, did you I, hear well, So we f-
1: should say that Vincent Price is Dr. Fives in this yeah. if you don't already know. I Why think would... you mentioned that or but I don't know. I don't
0: know if I did. But that is very important. Thank you for covering that.
1: (laughs) I feel like people like this show because they like Vincent Price.
0: No, you fucking dummy. Wow. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't mean that. Wow. Please don't get mad at me. I'm just kidding.
1: Wow. That was out of (laughs) nowhere, dude. What the hell?
0: (laughs) I had no idea that you weren't behind me on this. I thought we were just going to talk about like our fucking favorite movie today. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I didn't know that you didn't like Well, like Dracula I said, lives. I didn't see
1: it until this weekend. Oh,
0: okay. And so I've
1: heard so much about it over the years. And, you know, I, I even ran across it when reading The Secret Life of a Satanist. And, you know, because someone I respect, um, you know, Anton LaVey loved it and, and actually was an inspiration for the movie yeah. uh, because he knew the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's so many, like, callbacks to Satanism in this—it's yeah, insane. Right. I mean, really, the automatons playing music, the, the the fucking organ player Anton is his name, Doctor Anton, um, yeah, I know. Doc, the Doctor. I mean, it's just come on. This is <laughs> it, the Art Deco sets, Every- everything about vengeance and everything. I mean, it is just—it's way too close to Satanism to not pick that connection up.
0: Well, you know, Anton Lavey and Robert Foost were pretty good friends because they'd worked together. They worked together later, later on the Devil's Reign, right? Yeah. Which is a do you so do you like Devil's Reign? I did not. Okay, okay, good, okay. Because if you were going to tell me that you like Devil's Reign, but you didn't like the didn't like Doctor Fives, then we were definitely going to have a problem. <laughs> but good so so you don't. Like this movie I still I can't get over this
1: i I love Vincent Price. I think he's so much fun. I have some of the fondest memories of House on Haunted Hill as a Kid watching wow, it over and movie. over again. yeah, great movie. I love that show. I love him. I think he's great. I yeah. don't this movie watching it uh, this weekend for the first time, it was so obscure and slow. oh my god I, I it just there was nothing to carry it on like <gasps> the actors were horrible. What? You, you have Vincent Price who is an amazing actor amazing. Who doesn't fucking talk? It's and perfect. he doesn't even have a face and so he's just mugging the whole time. It's mugging it's called pantomime. It's called oh, talent. It's uh, so he's true. able
0: to convey emotion without a face or a voice it's all pantomime. But you know, the
1: majority of everything that like is his mark is done through his vulva
0: Her name is <laughs> Volnavia Volnavia she is the Audrey Hepburn of psychedelic assassination oh movies. Oh my gosh.
1: So I just, I didn't, I did not connect with this show at all. I didn't understand why people loved it. I, did you it get the It has part to be the connection of Vincent Price and Anton LaVey. It has to be.
0: It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking great movie. What is not to like about this? He enacts the plague of the pharaohs.
1: Very badly, these, I might add. Excuse me? There was two of them that strike me as interesting. So the first was the frog head squeezing on the dude's head to kill him, which I thought was interesting. Um, I didn't think it was good. It wasn't particularly clever, but it was interesting. The blood one was awesome because the dude was alive, watching this like burlesque smut film, like SAG film or something. And then it turns into like his Volvania, Volnavia, who walks up, straps him down, and then in walks Dr. Fives and just starts sucking his blood out deathly quiet oh, until the
0: dude's dead like that is so hardcore so wait but, you didn't like uh the plague of rats that took the plane down
1: Yeah,
0: you didn't like the guy that was impaled on a unicorn you didn't think that was
1: that was just funny? i mean
0: what the fuck? i didn't
1: it's you do just understand so weird that this
0: is not just a horror this is a comedy movie right you understand that it's I, supposed I just to be didn't funny think
1: it, was outright, it wasn't like I don't know. My my version of horror comedy is definitely more evil dead.
0: Okay, but you understand okay. <laughs> You're really pissing me off here. <laughs> Just
1: so how about rather than um arguing it, what are the parts that you love oh, the we're, most?
0: We're arguing it. Oh, well, I love the, all the deaths. I love this the set, the scenery, the the <laughs> he talks through like like a prototype of, of yeah. vocoder, which is um the coolest thing i've ever seen in a movie he talks through like this um art deco like golden gold victrola and he has to drink through the same hole that he talks out of yeah, yeah. i mean this is clever shit you know <laughs>
1: he, oh it's awesome he,
0: he's Oh my God. I don't, the, the, the organ with the orange lucite pipes. So basically he's this arch villain, right? He's killing these people and it's, but yet he does it and we love him. He's, we're all sort of on his side for this. And he lives in this like campy world of cloaks and organs. You know that this movie was a uh, inspiration for young Frankenstein, right?
1: Really? I did not.
0: Vincent Price, uh, Told the story about Mel Brooks admitting that to him, and he, and then Vincent Bryce said something about finding Brooks about as funny as an open grave, which I of <laughs> course agree wholeheartedly <clears throat> with because I don't really like Mel Brooks
1: movies. I loved, I loved Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein I,
0: and the producer. Don't feel a
1: connection between the two movies at all. Okay. Like visually, do you?
0: Visually, no. I mean, visually, it's okay. Know, then storytelling. I
1: mean, any anything that connects the two to you.
0: Well, it's a, it's a funny horror movie. I think that is the only connection that there is, is that, you know, Mel Brooks took this, uh, the Universal Monsters sort of trope and he, he crammed it together with like Borscht Belt Jewish comedy and that is Young Frankenstein. That's what that is. It's the Universal Monsters meet, uh, you know, (laughs) oh shit, what is the, you know, the, the, quintessential Jewish sort of take my life, please humor. And young Frankenstein is the only movie that that I think Mel Brooks sort of succeeds in doing that. I don't like Mel Brooks for the most part, but young Frankenstein is a masterpiece because it is the one time that he just takes those two things, crams them together and it is near perfection. But visually they have nothing to do with one another. It is just the simply the, this like dark macabre humor it's so fucking funny because it's so perfectly rendered. You know what I mean? It's so earnestly done. It's not a parody. It's not a joke on the genre. It's it's a loving tribute. And I think Fives is that too, is, in a way. It's this beautiful, almost like Gatsby-esque, like 1920s Art Deco set piece. But then he's enacting like the plague of boils and bats and blood and hail and darkness and death of the firstborn it's very dark and it's very scary but it is at the same time very funny and gruesome you know it's very dark and gruesome and kind of horrible <laughs> the way these people I'm just die.
1: like i i know i've read a couple places and i've heard from uh i think one or two people who have said that it's it was meant to be slightly funny yeah you know sort of i i don't see it like i feel like when someone says that a horror movie is supposed to be funny it's because it failed as a horror movie no and then they're like well you know it, it it's funny because it's it's not serious it's 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 funny because it's a bad show that's why it's funny no, it's, it's not, not funny because they're trying to be funny
0: right that is a sort of ironic you know joy that we get out of things like that you know like your wife's uh wolf t-shirt it's funny because it's absurd you know it's funny because it's the last thing we would expect her to to be wearing but that's not why this is funny you know this isn't funny because they try you know because it's over the top and no I think it's very earnest I think it's funny in the right places it's funny because it intends to be funny he wrote it to be funny um I mean Anton LaVey was uh he was a good friend of this director. You know, he had a lot of respect for the guy because he is sort of like, he's very earnest about the things he does, but it is never taken too seriously. And Vincent Price is the king of that. He's the king of sort of self-mockery and the sort of like, um, caricaturizing himself and this this is definitely uh, no exception. I think he loved, I think he, you can see it in his eyes that he just relished this role and he loved the fact that he didn't have to speak or didn't have to, you know, he acted completely with his eyes and I think he pulled it off but he did it in a sort of dark darkly humorous way.
1: So this is mentioned in the Hell's on, Hell on Hell Reels uh, chapter of A Secret Life of a Satanist <laughs> by Magister Barton. and I'm just going to give you the little <clears throat> a little reading of, of the portion where this is mentioned. To reassure us all that certain established scary actors are indeed what he would deem satanic, Levey points to Vincent Price, who he feels is a Satanist both on and off screen in his roles in the abominable Dr. Fives and Dr. Fives rises again 1971 and 72 Price played the title role of Dr. Anton Fives more than a mere coincidence the movie's Anton plays dramatic organ and hatches a diabolical plan to avenge his beloved wife's death at the hands of incompetent doctors so that's <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. the blurb I don't I don't know man I just I did not enjoy it I wanted to enjoy it more than I enjoyed it And I didn't think that the deaths were as creative as they could be. Everything's easy in hindsight, but especially, you know, now with what we know that we can do as far as filmmaking, looking back at something like from 71, obviously they were much more restricted budget constraints and such. Um, I don't know. I just, I didn't enjoy it. I wanted to. Oh, my God. You should watch it again. And then... And then I'll think, Aaron loves this. Aaron loves this. You
0: need to adjust your attitude, young man. (laughs) 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 You have a real attitude problem.
1: (laughs) It was just so
0: fucking not there. It was so beautiful. Didn't it look lush and gorgeous? What about the silhouettes of him painted on the sides and the back of his...
1: There was some really good cinematography. Like, that was a a redeeming factor. But, I mean, the movie, the, the storytelling itself didn't happen until you were already into the movie. It, and so, it, it was just, it was really weird.
0: No, no. I'm going
1: to watch it again, and I'm going I'm to watch it, you know, just putting everything together rather than piecing it apart. And I'll let you know if, if I see anything different in it. You're going to love uh, it. As if, <laughs> as if you cared. I, but yeah, it's just weird. I mean, you know, the overarching theme of this movie uh, duh, was obviously revenge, um, but it was an obsessive revenge and yeah. for a movie it's obviously what drives the story and so it makes sense as an individual watching this saying that this is some form of an, an uh, embodiment of satanism is again very very poisonous i, I think, wouldn't because i
0: wouldn't call it that i would never say it was that
1: well i i and maybe because um anton lavey was so close to with the director because Anton LaVey was um, pieces of him were pulled for, you know, the character Satanism itself, what um, inspires portions of Satanism uh, aesthetics, um, uh, messages of uh, individual justice, um, music, you know, incredible music. So I, I think because you can piece those together and they, they have such a, a profound impact on Satanism that it's easy for people to see that, you know, all that put together and say, okay, well this, this is, you know, a a big, big film about Satanism. You know, this is about Satanists. I mean, it's not, it's not a crazy leap to make. I I do think it's an incorrect one, but I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I was with it. That's one of the reasons. mm
0: -hmm. What? Well, I think the point I think maybe you're missing the the bigger picture is that this it's not necessarily the plot that is satanic, it's the movie as a whole. You know, it's sort of the total environment, the automatons, the music, the organ, it's the beauty of it. You know, I think there's the whole the big picture of the film is is very satanic. Not you know, there's more to a movie than just the plot. And I know I'm not I'm oversimplifying what what you said. I don't wanna
1: um, I totally understand w- what you're saying.
0: I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, the, the picture taken as a whole, I think, is very satanic, but the plot, not necessarily so. You know, but you have yeah. to take, take a look at the whole thing, and I think it is satanic in a lot of
1: ways. Yeah. I think the movie does, it, it's really great because it, it forces you to, to think about revenge. And so, if, if you've ever loved someone, what would you do? Mm-hmm. You know, where would you go? if you were wronged like this. And so I I definitely dig the idea, um, you know, obviously the the entire center of the story is revenge. So I I definitely dig that as a concept. I don't like the idea that it's all consuming. You know, we we have tools like greater magic and we have, um, uh, you know, a life to lead. So for this to be like your final message and then to just kill yourself at the end (laughs) like Mm -hmm. what the fuck so unsatanic
0: well yeah but i think you know his the the suicide at the end is is sort of you know it's one of the the plagues it's darkness it's the
1: the final plague
0: and it's because he feels guilty for her for her death he's punishing himself and i know it you know i'm not arguing your point it's not very satanic but it is Perfect for the storyline, you know the fact that he feels so guilty for her dying that he's also enacting a plague upon himself, and you know, it's kind of a happy uh, ending. It's weird because I really
1: <laughs> dig, like I I really love, you know, as as an idea, this mm-hmm. show. I really do. I don't know why I just didn't connect with it as much as I I I wanted to.
0: I think I. I mean, the, the tagline is great. What's that? the The tagline "Love means never having to say you're ugly." <laughs> I think that's so perfect.
1: <laughs> so weird. I just expected more outright British humor. Oh, well. I don't yeah. feel like I got it.
0: I don't think British humor. I think they have a lot of subtlety in their humor, and I think yeah. that's what I like about them. And I think that's part of it. I mean, when they were trying to unscrew the guy from the <laughs> from the wall because he was in <laughs> so Coupon, <weird>. in the <laughs> the unicorn, I thought that was yeah. hilarious. <laughs>
1: There's this really kind of goofy part where he he's like uh, calling for um, one inspector was calling for another inspector and he was like on top of a wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so like right behind him, It was so weird.
0: It's funny and and the guy Trout Inspector Trout. They always call him by a different like fish name. It's very <laughs> funny. I think I think it is very British humor, very subtle and far. Right, I'm
1: gonna have to watch it again. Yay!
0: <laughs> Yay!
1: We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I think everyone should see it because yes. you might absolutely love it. But even if you don't love it, it's definitely worth a watch because there's some really, really great visuals. I mean, you know, there was this idea that it's a play off of um, the Den of Iniquity.
0: Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yes, Iniquity. Well,
1: like I said it wrong. So, and you know, Anton LaVey had, you know, these... Um, uh, mannequins, and he, he spoke of uh, artificial human companions. And then, you know, Dr. Fives, right in his, f- I guess, foyer, I mean, right at his entrance room, uh, just in his ballroom, has this band of automatons. Like, they just... It kind of reminded me of gothic, in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that. But no. there was this... Uh, okay, well, I won't go into it, but just the idea that, you know, the automatons playing, you know, this... Oh, yeah. And it was, like, from organ music to jazz...
0: I know it's like great. it was all
1: over the fucking map.
0: It's very total environment. I love it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Very weird. I guess I didn't fully understand the point of vol- 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 Volnavia. 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 Yeah.
0: Volnavia. Volnavia.
1: Volnavia. Like I don't understand where she came from. I don't. Understand it doesn't matter.
0: From... Don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> <about> <laughs> like I doesn't matter. I,
1: I need that that. St- yeah, I need those connections She's in order to acolyte. really fully appreciate it.
0: She's just an acolyte. She's just a fan. It, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> she she digs what he does. Exactly. She thinks what he do. She thinks what he do. And then, you know, she got fucking fucked for it. Yeah, she did. An <laughs> acid bath. No fun. <laughs> I really wish they would have showed something of that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you in the screenplay, like the, in the original screenplay, sh- it was very clear that she's also an it, an automaton. It's not very clear in the movie, but she's also not real. She's a robot. Yeah. It comes a little more clear in the sequel, Dr. Five Rises Again, I think it's called. Well. Yeah, which yeah. I haven't seen. It's not so good. It's not so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not as good as the first.
0: I own both of these movies, and I have watched the sequel only once.
1: <laughs> oh wow! The
0: original I watched several times, but the sequel is really not so good. I mean, it's got its good points, but we won't get into that at all.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'm gonna watch this again. I, I'm I'm gonna be fucking. I'm gonna try to like this film. You're gonna love it. The show. Ew, that's weird. So you want to talk about show?
0: Nah, we'll we'll just all leave right. it up to the audience. <laughs>
1: it's a show people it's a All fucking right. movie <laughs> let's do some down crossroads Ah, right, there you will sure so you want not stay out in this blackout sure the dark tonight thank you for the ride sir i think i'll be fine do yourself
0: What are you doing out here?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm headed down to the crossroads. crossroads. <laughs> Wait, Miss, you can't be. You're the you're the devil. devil. But you're you're beautiful. beautiful.
0: Just sign here. Oh my God. Hey, down to the <laughs> crossroads. Time to rag. All right. So this is a. Uh, A listener suggestion, the lovely Chris Elder wrote to me about, uh, he wanted to know a little bit more about the relationship of ragtime and blues to jazz. Uh, So I thought that'd be a good topic for the show, or actually he told me it would be. And so I I agree with him completely. (laughs) It is a good topic for a show. So I'm going to, I think we should start the music. Thank Uh, you,
1: Mr. Elder. Excuse me? i was just saying thank you to this listener.
0: Yes, Chris Elder, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, so let's start and we'll talk about this music.
1: This is awesome.
0: Yeah, so we're listening to Southern Rag. Hmm. Um. Well, I'm not because my computer's not working right, but I assume ah. that you guys all are. Yeah, I am. All right, good. And so you'll let me know when it's over.
1: <laughs> I will.
0: Oh, there we go. So, so, so ragtime sort of considered the first real American music. It came from America. It was born in the 19th century. um, And it was, it, you know, came right before jazz. And I think most historians, scholars think that blues and ragtime, became jazz music. And we sort of got the vocals from blues and we got the music from ragtime. But of course, there's differing opinions about
1: that sort of thing. Um, Can you I dig this, man. I I, I love it when he's just sort of giving his lines. He's not singing them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He's delivering them.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So this is Blind Blake, and he's sort of known as the king of ragtime guitar. And he was... Um, he had this sort of blues ragtime finger picking style uh, and eventually his music sort of evolved into what we call Piedmont blues um, it's, more, it's more like ragtime than the Delta blues like if you think of Robert Johnson and Book of White stuff like that, it's very Delta blues it's very just guitar and a guy, where the Piedmont blues sort of had this jaunty <laughs> upbeat, cheerful sort of sound to it and that's definitely from from ragtime and ragtime um you know it it was the cr- sort of a f- New Orleans creole invention where these free um black men were living in New Orleans and they were of like French and Spanish descent, and they spoke french and spanish and so they had this very strange influence um you know blues ragtime. Brass band, hymns, spirituals, and even like minstrel music and the work songs of like the, you know, prison work songs sort of all came together to create jazz.
1: <laughs> so much fun. You better get out there.
0: It's very, it's a lot of fun. It That's exactly what it is.
1: So are you, are you a ragtime fan?
0: I am not a big ragtime fan. So is this
1: torture for you? Um,
0: It's not torture. (laughs) I picked songs that I could that that I could tolerate listening to. (laughs) Um,
1: So what don't you like about it?
0: I like not this song, but just ragtime. These songs are great, but sometimes ragtime just gets a little um, repetitive and overwrought and sort of it's sort of like bluegrass now. Like I can take it in about five minute increments, and then it just becomes too much. Like I said, these three songs are are really good examples of. The kind of ragtime that i can listen to where it's it's very bluesy ragtime when it gets a little you know piano can can just tire me out sometimes especially when it's moving at such a fast pace i think that's the problem with bluegrass too is that it's just such a fast pace that it wears me out i don't know about you yeah i
1: i, I have to agree with you i mean it, i really genuinely do like hearing it but and I guess maybe it's like all music. I well, no, that's not true. I could listen to, I can listen to classical bu- blues and rock pretty mm-hmm. much endlessly. Um, so I like you know just jazz, like hard jazz. Mm-hmm. I I can only do in increments. Ragtime, I can only do in increments. Uh-huh. So I I definitely understand that. I dig that.
0: Yeah, I think it's just it's too much. It's, it sort of overwhelms me. I need my music kind of simple. <laughs> And it's like,
1: well, here's the other thing, too. Like, I, I kind of like, this is going to sound weird. I kind of like to feel down. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I love sad songs. They're my I favorite kind.
1: Yeah, I, I don't mean it like I want to be depressed all the time. I, just, yeah. I Sometimes I just like, I like the sensation. And, and I can't, you know, obviously when you're in control of it. I, I don't, when you listen to too much of uh, Ragtime, you, it's, like it's, it's it's like it's a drug trying to make you up. Yeah, and it's just like like a, a poor Prozac, and you just can't be up all the time. You know, without vagars. Yeah,
0: I yeah, I find that kind of music sort of depressing. Like I almost find this <laughs> this really cheerful upbeat music kind of depressing. In that, like, well, why don't I connect with this? You know, why don't I yeah. feel that sort of joy in life? It's because I don't. And the sad songs always cheer me
1: up. I think it's we sort might of be a uh, wired weird.
0: I don't know. I, I guess so. I I used to have a friend who couldn't, couldn't listen to sad music. Like it would bum him out for real. All his music had to be like, that's why I listened to mostly like third wave ska and you know, yeah. like that just sort of really like upbeat talking about drinking and dancing and stuff like didn't, couldn't handle any sort of sadness, but I, I need it. You know, I am almost um, enlivened by that sort of um,
1: dreary music. Actually reminded me i I feel the same way about ragtime that I do about rockabilly, oh okay. like I enjoy rockabilly, but I only in doses, like too much of it yeah dude it it hurts
0: I agree, I like rockabilly a lot, um, but it is tiring I, yeah, and I've never really thought about why, but I think it is the pace of it. I think that's what ragtime blues rockabilly they all have in common. It's just, it's just fucking exhausting this the pace of it is too much. <laughs> I need to, to, you know, for me to enjoy music, I need to he, sort of hear more of it. I need to hear everything of it. And these music, these genres move too fast. And I think it, I get, I get flustered and I get frustrated, like an, like an autistic kid. It's like sensory overload, you know?
1: Well, on that note, let's listen to the next one.
0: Yes. This next one is called The Crave and it is, oh my God, this is fucking amazing.
1: I always like those little intros.
0: Yeah. And this is They're Jelly. We're like, about to start. Yeah. Hey, let me just just let you know, like a honk to, you know, let people yeah. know you're coming. Ooh, <laughs> hey. Uh so this is Jelly Roll Morton. He's probably one of the more famous uh ragtime performers. He was you know, prolific he was a real character. But uh, you know, as a as a teenager, he worked at the whorehouses. Um see the thing about the thing about this song it really sounds a lot like a player piano like when you hear yeah. when you think of player piano that's ragtime music you know it's it's usually Roll morton or it's scott joplin doing like the um what was that maple leaf rag or the ah uh, shit the performer i'm gonna
1: Fuck that now up. Now that you said that, I'm just, yeah, at least that's all I can think
0: of. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's too much. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to talk shit about ragtime the whole time I'm talking about it
1: because <laughs> it was really late.
0: important. And I do, I do like these three songs. I really, really enjoy, and I think it's because they're not like super duper ragtimey, you know. Um, but but Jelly Roll Morton, he was as I was talking about the Creole in, in New Orleans. That's who Jelly Roll Morton was. He he was a French Creole. Uh, his i think his his name was ferdinand Lamothe which is very creole french um but he he was probably he like he likes to think of himself as sort of the um godfather of ragtime or jazz rather uh he feels like he invented jazz music he and you know he's not probably entirely wrong um But he talks about the, the influence of the French, the waltzes, the polka, Spanish rhythms, you know, all of these things had had an influence on him as a performer. And he was also a pretty, um, pretty good improviser, which is another thing about jazz. Um, there was this guy, uh, what was his name, Buddy Bolden, and he was a jazz, uh, I think he played the trumpet but he was one of the first that started arranging blues and ragtime music for brass instruments that be- sort of, he was sort of the bridge between those two musics and, and jazz. Uh, Cause no one had played brass in the same sort of way that they were playing it with him. He was totally, you know, his band was totally improvised and. Um,
1: I, I can't, I I've been taken out of this. Yeah, I I really don't even like this.
0: Really, why?
1: I don't know. Once once you brought the context yeah. of the player piano, I that's Uh-oh. all I can hear, <laughs> and it's so generic. But like, it's, it's so not...
0: impressive. It really I is. If I you think talk, about man. somebody playing that, it's really quite impressive. It takes like Afro Afro Caribbean improv improvising, and it sort of mixes it with a European phrasing. If that makes any sense. It's really impressive music. It's just, and there's absolutely nothing bad about it. It's just maybe the fact now that it's become sort of cliche because you can see,
1: yeah.
0: um, you know, the player piano thing. It's sort of like... It's if just you ever, like
1: saloon background exactly. in every Western.
0: Yeah, and that's too bad. It's There's a lot of music that's ruined because of the way it's used, you know? Yeah. Even, um, even like, oh, what's his goddamn name? The composer, John... Zorn is that his name no the guy who does all the, the star wars movies like he's an incredible oh, composer but his move mu- his music sounds like movie music you know um so when you hear it it's not it's entirely the genre that it is and it's not good music anymore
1: it's hard to hear it yeah, as it's hard and- to hear out of context but.
0: john williams god damn it
1: just to yeah just to hear you know like the start just because you mentioned it, the star wars soundtrack mm-hmm. i can't just listen to that and be like ooh, this is good classical music. Right. I just see Star Wars. You know, it's it's so on the nose. Yeah. Huh. Well, let's listen to this last one and see what this is like. Let's do it.
0: Ooh. Yeah. So Ooh. this is Lonnie Johnson and he, I've played Lonnie Johnson before yeah. and um, he was sort of known as the, uh, he plays the, guitar like a ragtime piano <laughs> and he was definitely one of the um the clear bridges between blues and jazz he started out as a blues player but he was he was just so immensely talented that blues he couldn't be contained in that yeah. and his guitar playing took on a more um jazzy feel to it he started using um different time signatures stuff like that you know a lot of people argue that jazz is just waltz music in a different time signature, you know, but really it's more than the the sum of its parts. It definitely is like Afro-Caribbean, like I said, but it's, um, it takes these and the sort of like field hollers call and response and mixes it with the European, like jazz rhythms. It's very strange. It's very interesting the way that, um, these all these music combine to make something much bigger and more important.
1: Yeah, see, I and I could listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lonnie Johnson is one
0: of my favorite musicians
1: because this bleeds through very much to blues.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is great. Yeah, I love Lonnie Johnson. I think, um and he's an incredible lyricist as well. He wrote some really great lyrics as well. But he's just almost got, you know, you can almost hear, like, Django Reinhardt in his playing. It's a very, very jazzy, upbeat s- style of guitar playing.
1: So is there a direct connection with blues through through Ragtime for you?
0: It's more so that Ragtime and blues met to make jazz. And I think that's what, um, you know, when Chris wrote to me i think that's sort of what he wanted to hear about was that you know you take the the vocals from blues and then you mix it with the sort of music from ragtime and then you kind of got you kind of got jazz from that it takes sort of like africa meets europe and that's how jazz came and it's improvisational um in a way that european music wasn't but the blues was you know neither one could have neither one of those ragtime or blues evolved into jazz it took the meeting of the two of them to become this completely new third musical genre which is incredible you know it's really interesting to talk about
1: well i mean that was uh i don't know about the second one so much i really really dug the last one yeah that's the first one was good yeah um yeah i don't i don't know that i would want to do a whole down the crossroads on just rag again no that'll never happen i had my fix (laughs) yeah
0: that's the last of it i never wanted to talk about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot chris
0: (laughs) no it was a great question and i had i learned a lot you know researching it It was a lot of fun
1: that's cool so will you will you be buying any or will you be queuing up any ragtime anytime soon
0: I will continue to listen to Lonnie Johnson every chance I get. And Blind yeah. Blake is great. Everyone knows Blind Blake more as a blues player than a ragtime player, of course. But I think, I, you know, if I hear it, I don't necessarily change the channel right away, but I'll never choose to put on some ragtime.
1: Yeah, I feel like I have to. I had better have a handlebar mustache and some cowboy boots and be sitting in a saloon with a, a hooker trying to proposition me next time I hear it.
0: I thought that's. That's how I always pictured you.
1: but Whatever. <laughs> That's why I'm going to listen to it now. Right. <laughs> oh, so weird. All right. How can people? How can the good folks listening uh, get in contact with you? How can they find you online?
0: I'm all over the internet. On Twitter all at Chelsea. all over all over it. Chelsea Girl nineteen at Twitter, and then on Facebook at Down at the Crossroads. That's those are them. Get at those me though. The dog. Two best. Yeah.
1: Cause I know you you are in other places.
0: Where I'll stalk you.
1: Tell me. Places. Tell them where. You know what? I'm gonna let them find you. Yeah. Yeah, hunt it's her fucked. down, people. <laughs> Throw you know what you guys should do? Find YouTube clips of ragtime and then post them no, on no, Down no. to the Crossroads page. You don't have and to you send don't. them to her Twitter page. Let us <laughs> let's um. start a revolution. <laughs> down to the Crossroads will be become grab your banjo and piano. I don't don't know why I said that. All right, (laughs) so that's going to do it. Let's do a little bit of Adam's Road Rage and then uh, we're going to shut this thing down. So I'm sitting down watching TV with the wife and uh, I have very little time to watch television. Very little. And so we are watching, I think it was Archer or something that was entertaining and funny, maybe Modern Family. Uh, enjoying our children being asleep and the brief moments we have before we have to crash for the next day. And my phone gives me a little chime letting me know I got an email. So I look and it's GameStop telling me how to buy, or I'm sorry, how to uh, receive the order I just placed, the digital order for PlayStation gift cards or something like that. And so I think, huh, this must be spam. Why? Because I don't order shit like that from GameStop. Although I have ordered like a Halo game in the past, I think, from them, which is why I, you know, why they have my email. So I think, huh, that's weird. Um, I wonder if this is like fraud or something. So I check and it's not flagged as spam. And, um, I go to the GameStop website just to make sure that nothing that I, like my card wasn't charged or anything for this. And I send them an email saying fraud alert. I received an email from you saying that I purchased these PlayStation cards and I am telling you that I did not purchase them and I want you to investigate, I got an email response the next day saying, I'm sorry, you must have your police officer in charge of your case, contact us, and we can release information to them. And I immediately say, huh, I'm not asking for fucking information to be released to me. I'm asking if this is fraud. I'm asking you to do your goddamn job and to protect my fucking account information from someone that's fucking using it to buy something that I didn't buy! Why the fuck do I have to go to a local police officer, have them open a case just to say, I'm sorry, we don't cover online fraud. You're gonna have to contact the business yourself and sell this. But no, they won't fucking tell me whether or not something was charged ON MY OWN ACCOUNT! So, may I ask? May I just inquire? WHY THE FUCK WOULD I INVOLVE THE POLICE WHEN I'M ASKING YOU TO LOOK AT MY ACCOUNT AND FIND OUT IF I WAS THE PERSON WHO CHARGED SOMETHING TO MY OWN ACCOUNT? IS THAT SO FUCKING HARD? CAN YOU NOT LOOK AT THE NAME ON MY ACCOUNT? THE CREDIT CARD THAT I USED on my account, and tell me, tell me if the credit card used recently matches that card. If the name on that credit card used recently matches the name on my account. Can you do that? I'm sorry sir, you're gonna have to, this is the response I got, you're gonna have to contact your local police officer and have them contact us and we can start the claim. What the fuck? I don't know if there's a claim to be made because I don't know if it was just a mistake made or if it was fraud made. And I'm asking you, GameStop fucks, to do your goddamn jobs. Why do I have to convince you? Isn't my suspicion enough to warrant you looking into the account? Isn't my suspicion as a consumer enough? I had to convince fucking police to fucking ID to, to just run a fingerprint after someone broke into my goddamn car what are these are gonna do to this honestly so now it's not only the fucking cops that are doing a goddamn thing but it's the businesses that we fucking patronize <laughs> patronize what the fuck is wrong with our system. I am livid. I don't know if you can tell this or not. I just want someone to do the fucking job! Now, I I went to Zion's, uh, I went to my bank account, and no, no one charged anything. So obviously there was a mistake. Obviously someone used my account And it was probably internally, and that's why they're not making a big fucking deal about it. But the fact remains someone used my account, and I did not authorize it. But they won't fucking look into it, they won't make a fucking report, unless I call a goddamn police officer. Well, fuck you, GameStop. I will never use you again, and I will tell the thousands listening to never use you again because you do not offer me as a consumer the privacy that I desire, the privacy that I demand, and the privacy that I deserve. You're fine with people committing fraud. You're fine. Fox! You fucks. Fuck you, GameStop and everyone listening, never use GameStop. Because they don't give a fuck about you. All they care about is getting money, no matter how. Fuck them. So that's going to do it for another show, people. I hope you enjoyed it. And we would love to hear from you. Just like Chris sent in a little message to Erin, you can send your little message to her as well. You can either do that through the Down the Crossroads Facebook page or Twitter, as we mentioned at the end of the Down the Crossroads segment, or you can just send me your correspondence to info at ninecentspodcast.com so that I can read it before sending it on, like that bitch at the spa did to me.
0: Uh. Fucker. All
1: right, yeah, I'm, I'm still harboring resentment. Uh, let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Uh, if you like Ragtime, if you didn't, if you like the abominable Dr. Phibbies. <laughs> and his <laughs> lovely <laughs> assistant, Volvavel, Vol. <laughs> can't even say, say it anymore. Vul- Volnavel, Vol. Volnavia. Is that? Yeah. 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 Whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. she, she's an automaton, but she's not really. You can. Uh, and that's the other thing is like all the other automatons in there look like automatons.
0: They changed it for the movie. It's weird. Weird I don't know.
1: All right, well, you guys can download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at 9CentsPodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9Cents via iTunes by searching 9Cents. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, leave me your ratings and comments, people. We would really appreciate it. It helps out the show, and it drowns out turns out the the detractors if you'd like to learn more about the church of satan visit churchofsatan.com and spread the word I really appreciate all of the shares of show notes that I put out every week all of the comments on twitter and everything let's keep that going help spread the word let's build this podcast together once again thank you for joining me and as always I'm your host Adam Campbell being joined by Aaron Aaron the lovely Aaron and until next week hail Satan hail Satan hail Satan